0: Welcome to the My Buddy Green podcast. I'm Jason Wachib, founder and co CEO of My Buddy Green, and your host. Dr. Kara Fitzgerald is a naturopath and one of the leading functional medicine voices when it comes to all things methylation. What is methylation, you may ask? Well, it's complicated, it's very critical to our well being, yet it's often ignored and undervalued. And we're going to cover it in this very podcast, but look, it's a subject that's near and dear to my heart, as both Colleen and I have had potentially life-threatening issues which stem from methylation. Colleen had a pulmonary embolism, and I had sky-high homocysteine that could have led to a catastrophic clotting event. So suffice to say, very critical, and we're going to get ready for a deep dive on methylation, something I urge all of us to pay attention to. Kara, welcome.
1: Oh, I am so delighted to be here. Very, very nice to connect with you.
0: Well, I am so thrilled you're here because this episode is very personal to myself and my wife, Colleen, uh, because we're gonna talk about the subject of methylation. And you literally wrote the book, you have a great ebook on your site, The Methylation Diet and Lifestyle which is so critical to our well-being and what i say this is personal uh, my wife and co-founder and co-ceo colleen in 2012 suffered a pulmonary embolism uh, a week after after a flight and it almost killed her and she's fine knock on wood Uh, and me i discovered i had sky high homocysteine at 63 and, and homocysteine at that level can be catastrophic. It could lead to to blood clotting or you know, like, or a pulmonary embolism. So blood clotting in the form of a stroke or a pulmonary, pulmonary embolism. Um, I got it down to 12 through supplementation. And uh, it's all circles around methylation. And so I am so glad we're going to educate our audience about methylation. So let's start there, Kara. What is methylation?
1: Yeah, indeed, right. It's a pretty broad. It's just a, it's a tad of a broad, broad topic. It's a, I almost think of it as um, you know, it's a metabolic process. It's a biochemical process happening in the body. Um, you know, as ubiquitous as oxygen. Like we never think about you know inhaling air and what it does metabolically when we actually bust little, um, electrons off of oxygen and end up making energy. Like it's just, it's just something that we do that's everywhere all of the time. And really methylation is kind of like that. It's happening in virtually all of our cells all of the time over and over and over again. So we're either a methyl group, a methyl group, is such a simple structure. It's just a carbon and three hydrogens, um, ubiquitous in nature and likely why we evolved, Using it everywhere, so in the methylation cycle, we're producing something called s methionine. So, from the essential amino acid um, methionine, we you know we 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 restructure it into s methionine. and that's where our folate and our B12 or betaine come into play. They help make s methionine. and on that sits a carbon and three hydrogens. And this s methionine I'm just going to call it SAM, goes around the body and donates that carbon and three hydrogens to a zillion different types of compounds from, you know, DNA to neurotransmitters, to um, enzymes that help us detox, to um, you know, it helps with it, 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 it. Ultimately, in its process of of changing, helps us with antioxidants. Like people have probably heard of glutathione, and the list really kind of goes on and on. So the methylation cycle is the process of making S-adenosylmethionine from that essential amino acid meth- methionine, and then the end product is homocysteine. So that after that SAM is used, it becomes you know, eventually homocysteine. And when it's elevated, like it was for you, like extraordinary elevated, you and I were talking about, you know, about why that might've been, or in your wife, um, we know that there's an, there's a lesion or multiple lesions. There are issues in methylation and that methylation cycle interfaces with, um, sulfur uh, another biochemical cycle they just kind of intertwine with each other it's called sulfuration and that cycle makes the all-important endogenous antioxidant glutathione and a handful of other really important things like the uh, amino acid taurine and and something and a compound called sulfate that helps with detoxification Um, let me just, so so methionine to s methionine or SAM to homocysteine, and then we recycle under normal circumstances, we recycle homocysteine back to methionine, most famously using B12 and folate, or we can use betaine, um, and betaine, of course- famous is is in robust quantities in beets and that's one of the reasons why beets are really healthy. So usually we're just this active recycling process. We make SAM, we use it, it becomes homocysteine, just we recycle, recycle, recycle. But if you don't have enough of those nutrients or if you have a defect in any number of enzymes there that help the recycling process, homocysteine can accumulate. Actually, paradoxically, sometimes homocysteine will be really low for the same reasons. And no, but homocysteine is also the molecule that is your in main ingredient to make glutathione. Um, so some another reason we might deplete homocysteine is because we've got a lot of oxidative stress and we're just shuttling all of it towards synthesis of glutathione. Um, and if you have enzymes that are problematic in the process of making glutathione, that could also contribute to higher homocysteine so it's a pretty complex pathway even though it's just a carbon and three hydrogens it's such a simple molecule um but it's ubiquitous like we're just using it everywhere so i'm gonna just pause and see if you want to ask me anything about that
0: yeah so too low can be bad and too high can be bad and i know about the too high being bad because you know it could lead to, to clotting uh and I'm curious, what can too low lead to? And then fundamentally, like, why is this something? I, I was curious, if you're going to do an initial set of like, you go to your doctor for, uh, you know, your, your state of the union, your checkup in terms of your health, you know, we're going to do blood pressure, we'll do cholesterol. And, and look, those are important markers. But like, it seems like a lot of people just don't test for homocysteine.
1: Yeah, I know. And it's easy. It's always covered by your insurance. Your regular lab will do it. Your doctor has heard of it. I think, you know we should be, (laughs) you know, we certainly, I mean, we should be, it's an easy thing to measure. There's a ton of evidence. It's just like we've, we've moved paths, just getting a total cholesterol and LDL and HDL folks. If you're listening to this, ask for a homocysteine and ask for an advanced lipid panel. All of your clinicians, they know what it is. It's not rocket science. It's covered by insurance. You don't need a specialty lab. The one that they're going to, you know, um, give you a lab slip for in your office. will will have that available. And just just get those additional tests because you can address them. Um, and so, what's so, yeah, wrong it if be. it's
0: low? Like if you're cl- yeah. like if it's low, what could that mm-hmm. indicate? And then like yeah. we'll, we'll circle back. So if it's low or high, I didn't know it was sky high.
1: Yeah, I, I felt I the same.
0: And unfortunately, right. my, my wife's wasn't as high, but she had a pulmonary embolism, so obviously something yep. you know very serious was wrong. But how, without testing, is there a reason? how do we know if it's off
1: yeah yeah you're not gonna feel it well it's and well the other thing is is because it's so ubiquitous um, it's involved in so many processes in the body so many metabolic pathways you know i mean if you try to say oh that's a methylation related symptom i mean yeah maybe um so beyond clotting as you pointed out uh, which is really scary we know that methylation is and don't let me forget to circle back to why it might be low. I just want to kind of broaden the net on on reasons we might look at homocysteine. So autism is a big one. Um, Dementia, ADHD, cardiovascular disease, or family risk history for it, asthma, anxiety, um, Parkinson disease, fibromyalgia, insomnia, um, estrogen dominance, hormone imbalance you know, more significant genetic mutation issues like down syndrome would be, um, you know, there are methylation imbalances going there. It can be a reason for essential hypertension, increased oxidative stress, um, you know, and the, a cleft palate. I mean, it kind of, it, you know, it, it difficult with conception or or recurrent miscarriages. Um, and it, so it's it's just broad, wide and deep.
0: So in terms of causes, is, can oxidative stress be a cause or is that a. It,
1: it well, yeah, simple. let's talk about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, under normal circumstances, and this would be a cause for a low homocysteine, so it's actually a really perfect question. Under normal circumstances, when you're under oxidative stress, we're under oxidative stress all the time. I mean, and it's a good thing. Like, you know, this morning I was out doing a pretty, I, my daughter is 30 pounds, she's two, and I was out you know, lapping our neighborhood and we've got some hills here and I'm working up a sweat. When you're exercising where, you know, of any intensity, your mitochondria are firing because you're making more, you know, you're making more ATP and that is you generate oxidative stress. So it's a normal part of physiology, but my methylation cycle is going to be inhibited for a little while, it's going to be turned the volume on that is going to be turned down. So that homocysteine can be shuttled into glutathione synthesis. And my and, and so basically, oxidative stress will will wind down methylation activity, so that homocysteine can be used to support glutathione and the whole endogenous antioxidant system which is right there in the mitochondria can get busy and kind of clean up that extra oxidative stress and it's a good healthy thing but what if you know we can also increase oxidative stress just for you know what they call like meta-inflammation or total body inflammation because you're living a typical American life that's sedentary or you're eating lousy foods or you're, you know, drinking water that's not of a good quality, or you're eating too much, you know, poor quality salmon and it's full of mercury, et cetera. There's a lot of reasons we can be under increased oxidative stress. And if it's chronic like that, you know, it's like your methylation cycle can't catch up. It's go- you're always going to have this demand, this drain on your antioxidant system. And um, you know, for many reasons you can really imbalanced methylation activity so one of the things that we can see and there's there's actually kind of interesting research looking at individuals on the autistic spectrum where they have this low homocysteine picture and part of it is this oxidative a piece of it is this oxidative stress yeah Yeah.
0: and so as we think about Causes so th- there's a there's a genetic component. My wife and I are both MTHFR C six seven seven T gene, which so we're, mm-hmm. we're predisposed. You know that doesn't yes. mean I'm predisposed to insane levels, but I'm also I've joked I'm six foot seven, so maybe everything for me is just bigger. Are uh, you really six yeah, foot yeah, seven? I'm oh, that's awesome. Seven. So, so my ma- my
1: granddad was was six. With- well, my dad is six, five. I come from really tall people too. My grandpa was even taller.
0: (laughs) I'm six, seven. My wife, Colleen is five eleven, and we have, uh, two little girls age three and a half and one. And so they're, they're in the 90th percentile. We'll say that. We've got all around. (laughs) Um, So with that said, so there's a genetic component, but there's also a lifestyle component. And after my wife's pulmonary embolism, uh, she believed we believe that the birth control pill was played a significant role
1: yeah for sure
0: knowing our audience you know our audience uh, i'm guessing if you're listening you're probably a female and you're probably uh you know you may be on the pill you may not be on the pill but the birth control pill is is a subject which you know comes up with regards to to clotting and so can can we talk about that for a moment
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, you know, unequivocally, if you are on birth control, which, you know, there's no reason, I think, well, there's, there can be a reason to consider other options. But, you know, for most women, it's just really convenient and a smart way to go. But yeah, it can cause a pretty profound um, B vitamin deficiency. And, you know, certain proteins associated with clotting in conjunction with, you know, imbalances in methylation and B vitamin insufficiencies will prompt you to want to take a look at at least homocysteine. So yeah, if you're doing birth control and, uh, you know, if, if you're doing other things, like if you're taking a lot of niacin for whatever reason, if you're addressing lipids or if you're doing a lot of selenium, um, You want to be looking at, you want to be looking at your homocysteine and you may want to be actually supporting with some B vitamins.
0: And so it's funny, we we talk so much about this after it happened. And my wife started taking birth birth control, I think, in like her late teens or early 20s. And it was just like, she was at the time, no one mentioned this, of course. And it was very exciting because it was great for acne. And, you know, (laughs) yeah. And, and no one talked about all of the other potential side effects. And then in the process, uh, you know, connected the dots. And and we both had this moment with nothing else. She did extensive labs, extensive testing to figure it, get to the bottom of it. And nothing else really came up. She went to, you know, spent a lot of time with a hematologist. Uh, okay. And so we just walked away saying, wow, like there must be so many other women out there who have no idea... And also when she shared her story on My Buddy Green about her pulmonary embolism, my, my wife's healthy, she doesn't smoke, she's not sedentary, it like happened a week after a flight to Miami, which was like a three-hour flight. It wasn't like a long-haul flight where she slept and didn't move, where you, where you tend to yeah. clot. It just didn't sort of add up. But the the, the connection to birth control was definitely eye-opening.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, even an antacid will cause a deficiency most prominently in b12 but you can see other secondary nutrients associated in methylation like you know potassium or magnesium you can see other imbalances as well uh zinc um so how how do we
0: so obviously you know i'm an extreme my wife had an an extreme you know outcome in, in in having a pulmonary embolism for i think the average person listening one you know i think it's a call to action when you go to your doctor make sure you get tested for this because it's not a feeling it's not a, yeah. unless you're having a pulmonary embolism my wife said I, you know colleen said she couldn't breathe and that was the problem and i said hey we need to <laughs> i have a yeah. cramp in my leg and now i can't breathe uh and and i didn't feel anything obviously so in terms of you know one everyone listening make sure make sure to get tested. Uh, it could go as far as you know potentially saving your life and then and then two you know assuming it is it is fine or maybe it's a little high it's a little low you know how how can we take care of our homocysteine how can we make sure we're methylating properly like what what are the things we can do in terms of lifestyle nutrition you know what should everyone everyone be doing in that context
1: yeah so there are a lot of things that we can do. Most of your audience will be aware of, you know, B12 and folate. They might be aware of betaine, um, also called trimethylglycine. So you see it as TMG sometimes. Um, and they're probably supplementing there. We can do that. And when we need those nutrients, we should do it. But there's a reason to... Uh, lean on other ways to support healthy methylation, and I want to talk to you about why, because that was a focus of a study that we're just finishing and getting ready to publish on. So those nutrients are absolutely appropriate, and especially when we're young, um, they're 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 good to do. Uh, but we also want to lean on food. So food would be um, your cruciferous veggies, you know, lots of greens. Lot there's those are these are folate rich really healthy for many different reasons, nutrients. So we want to lean on those. We want to lean on beets. Um, so we make a decent amount of folate and we help with B12 absorption in with a healthy microbiome, one that's functioning. So we want to make sure that, you know, GI health, that we're moving our, we're having regular bowel movements that we're not particularly gassy or imbalanced. We don't have small bacterial overgrowth or You know, dysbiosis of any kind. We're just keeping things as clean as possible. We're nourishing our gut with lots of good, you know, plant dense um, foods. Now, we do want some protein. So we want methionine because we need that for healthy methylation. So if you're eating meat, uh, you know, go for some chicken, go for some really clean beef. You don't have to do a ton of it, but you want a little bit of it to support um, methylation. And if you're vegan or if you're a vegetarian, you just want to make sure that you're getting adequate methionine. You want to make sure you're doing beans. You might need a little bit of a protein powder, but you want to take a look at that because it's an essential amino acid and it's an important, and it's essential for healthy methylation. So a good clean diet, if you're doing eggs, if you can tolerate eggs by all means, eggs are awesome. We would call them methylation superfoods. Um, and you're going to be supplying a lot of what your body needs right there. Uh, we know that, you know, exercise, like balanced exercise, will actually turn on the methylation cycle and keep it kind of whirling around. If we're over exercising, there's no problem in that, but we might need a little extra support for methylation. Um, you might want to just, I don't know. Get you know again. Think about getting uh, your homocysteine measured, or if you're working with a functional doctor, you know there's there are broader investigations that we can make. So exercise is smart. You know we can spend methyl donor, we can spend that SAM, so that carbon and three hydrogens, that methyl group on the SAM, we can use those up profoundly, rapidly when we're under a lot of stress, and that's because we use that to metabolize adrenaline. So if you're generating a lot of stress. Uh, for whatever reason, and there's certainly plenty of them now, know that you're spending methylation, know that you're spending those expense, you know, those really valuable, that valuable metabolic currency, it's kind of going down to clear out your adrenaline. And if you do that long term, you're going to need some support in your methylation cycle. One of the things we recommend to turn that around, of course, is de-stress in whatever way works for you. But, you know, breathing exercises, maybe use like a heart map Balance app or something like that to just kind of help dial you in. Um, you know, other ways we can screw up methylation is by, you know, toxins. So toxins, again, metabol- use methyl donors, a, a lot of methyl donors to clear out certain things. So plastics, you know, mercury, I mentioned earlier, you want to live as cleanly as possible. And that will keep methylation intact via a variety of mechanisms. Oh, and let me just say one other, like extremely important thing, thinking about your wife, thinking about all the women listening to this show, we need healthy methylation to detox our estrogen. Like it's so, so essential, so important. Actually, this is men and women. We, we actually, we know that Um, unmethylated estrogen in men is associated with an increased risk in prostate cancer. So it's men and women, it's both of us. I always think of, you know, I work with a lot of women like maybe thirties up into middle age and, you know, maybe into sixties is, is my population. And, you know, I'm in Connecticut, I'm in Fairfield County. Women are traveling into the city. They're working really high powered jobs. They're coming home and being moms and they're pretty darn stressed out and, you know, a fallout of that is spent methylation and you know this this really awful estrogen dominant picture where when we look at that, we see they're not metabolizing estrogens well. So it's very interconnected.
0: So I love that approach. And so to summarize, from a from a diet perspective, lots of cruciferous vegetables, dark leafy greens, some beans, some eggs, some chicken, you should be covered there uh then you talked about the microbiome and so that's interesting to me on a personal note i suffered from parasites for a couple years uh and it was it was it was a terrible process i felt awful uh i saw i saw frank lippman and Uh, I did, I did a round of antibiotics and I, one of the reasons why I love Frank is he'll say sometimes, you know, you need the antibiotic and other times, for example, I get sinus infections like clockwork, every change of the season in the fall Mm -hmm. and, and one fall I had them particularly bad it was so painful and i had to fly i had to fly for work and flying if you just google flying and bad sinuses it's like the worst thing to do and i remember flying and just feeling like my head was going to explode i'm like frank you got to give me something And he said no (laughs) i've never (laughs) prescribed antibiotics for sinus infection you need to follow my protocol and sure enough i did and i was fine but with awesome. that said, what I love about him is he'll take a stand and say, you know, the great lot of functional medicine doctors like yourself will do the same. Is you know, yes, you need to take the herbs, but sometimes you need antibiotics. So, like my point being with the parasite, he's like, you need to take the antibiotics and you need to do the herbs after, and it's gonna be a process. So, at any rate, Good. I went through a couple year process, uh, and i was convinced in that i I just i was so when it first hit me i was extraordinarily fatigued like napping during the day like weird bowel movements just like anxious and i'm I'm never anxious um and frank was like i think you have a bug so to speak sure enough i had Entamoeba holistica um and, and we went through that process but it got me thinking as you're talking about this it took me about almost two years to really get through it It's like, wow, maybe something with, you know, as we talk about everything's connected and the power of the microbiome, maybe the microbiome plays a role here.
1: Yeah, I know. I was just wondering about that, like your particular timeline in relation to your high homocysteine. Did this come after or before? Before. Yeah. Well, so, uh, so I, I tried colon say,
0: hydrotherapy in the middle too. I like tried everything. I was like, I'll just give anything a shot. Frank was like, be careful yeah. what you're doing.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, I'm a fan of colon hydrotherapy, but you don't want to drive an infection up for, you don't want to like be moving it around. You want it, you want it out. But, um, yeah, I absolutely agree with them. You, you are too sick. You just want to go with pharma for a while. And it, you know, and it's not appropriate for everybody, but obviously it was for you. And yeah, for sure. You just want to be getting rid of that sucker. Because when you've got a parasitic infection, I mean, you know, by definition, it's a parasite. It's, it's sucking you dry. It's damaging you. It's increasing inflammation. It's causing leaky gut. You know, it just does all sorts of really nefarious things and really wreaks havoc on your microbiome. So certainly, and, you can, and then you see malabsorption, maldigestion up, up, ushered in, all, you know, just really, all, just a, a cluster of um, negative effects that can absolutely impact methylation, no doubt. And one of the most obvious sort of fundamental ones is that we can make a lot of folate in our gut. I mean, one of the interesting things about the study that I'll circle back and talk to you about is that we saw we didn't do any B vitamins. There were no vitamins used in this study at all. It was all food and lifestyle based. Um, We did a, a greens powder and we did a probiotic. We did lactobacillus plantarum. And in the end, we saw our test subjects, folate and, you know, systemic folate vitamins. So there were a few different types of folates that increased in our patients. And it was just really cool. So we knew we did that through diet and lifestyle changes. And quite possibly, um, the gut played a a bigger role in it.
0: Well, I'm specifically, int- I'll, I'll, I'll sidebar on you with that strand. I am, I am interested to try it out. Uh... So in terms of food, because look, I'm a big believer in the power of supplements. I saw my homocysteine go from 63 to 12 in, in 60 days, which is just, when I when I tell people that story, they're like, holy, first of all, they're like, holy cow, what the hell is wrong with you? And then holy cow, wow, that's a significant drop.
1: <laughs> it's such a funny, <laughs> it's such a funny calling card. Hi, Hi, Hi. Mr. Jones. I had, Hi. A, I had a homocysteine of 63. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone scratches their
0: head and says, wow. Wow. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. So
0: on, on that note that like, as we talk about, you know, what are things that can, you know, I mentioned genetics, you know, we talked about lifestyle a little bit. Like in terms of foods, like what are what are what are foods that, you know, we talked about the foods to enjoy for healthy homocysteine, for healthy methylation. What are some of the foods out there that can do quite the opposite and and turn your methylation haywire?
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? I should pop quiz you. Let me just, what what what's your, what would be your first response? Like, what do you think might be bad? Like,
0: I'll just go with <laughs> everyone's demonized food list. You know, I'll go with like yeah. the seed oil, sugar, alcohol, you know, I could, I could, we could have fun. And if, if it's, you know, I yeah. could talk to my friend, Dr. Gundry, and he'll say lectins. I could talk to, you know, this doctor over here, he'll say something else. We could have fun with it. But I think my guess is you know vegetable oils you know translation highly processed foods and sugars that, that'd be my yeah, guess yeah
1: that's exactly right yeah just the crappy foods that we intuitively you know non-food foods that we intuitively know that we need to avoid and alcohol yeah alcohol is very efficient at shutting down methylation like really good at shutting down methylation so unfortunately i mean i don't i actually don't drink at all but i you know i sort of commiserate with my friends who might want to and you just need to, you need to be careful about it like if you've got a meth if you've got methylation issues or you suspect you do or you want to be mindful about it you just need to kind of you know you need to keep it to a minimum
0: so with regards to alcohol it is all alcohol created equal with with methylation is it is it yeah. the standard tequila you know is tequila better than than white wine or is red wine better than white wine like or is it all Terrible.
1: Yeah, so ethanol itself is going to be the player that's going to inhibit your met- a methylation cycle. Um, so it's present in alcohol. That said, we know there's resveratrol in red wine, but if you want a therapeutic amount, you'll have to drink a ton of it. We know that like potato vodka is really hypoallergenic. Um, and so there are certain not all alcohols are created equal. Yeah, and tequila is recommended. I think Mark Hyman likes tequila. He does. Um yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's his rationale on it? Is there something I think personally sort of...
0: he, I think personally he likes it. And I okay. and I, I think it it's my guess is lower sugar.
1: Right. That's, yeah, that's, that's right. My... And so with potato vodka, yeah. yeah. Right. Right. He would have so, a much so, better
0: answer than I would about why he likes it, but that's my guess.
1: Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, he's I've heard him recommend it before. I um so there, there are, there are like harm reduction alcohols, you know, and I think those three, you know, there's, there's flavonoids and, and red wine that make it pretty fabulous. If you can get it, you know, get a dark, uh, you know, low sugar kind and yeah, potato vodka or, which is actually funny. I think that's what he used to recommend years ago. And then he switched over to tequila, but yeah, if you want to drink, do that. Just be mindful around it. And if you're going to, you know, if you're, if you're doing that and you're, if you're drinking and you're taking a birth control pill or you're doing something like metformin for blood sugar control or um, if you're also taking niacin or selenium you know, or you're under a lot of stress, I mean, you can see how very um, innocuously you could walk yourself right into a methylation issue.
0: Well, yeah, you, you hit it, especially, okay, it's COVID-19 and people are drinking more. And people are sitting around more and people are stressed more. Yeah. Curbside pizza. Exactly. Exactly. And if I'm going to get, you know, I get, if I get, I, I joke, if we get our curbside pizza, we're going to get a sourdough pizza. I don't know where sourdough (laughs) falls on the uh, methylation spectrum, but we'll go with our sourdough pizza. Uh, I'll have some red wine. I'll try to get something that's a little bit lower in alcohol or lower sugar, like the, the, what they do at Thrive Market or Dry Farm Wines. Um, But, yeah, it's one of the reasons why I want to have this conversation. I think, you know, we talk about all these, these, There are obviously, you know, huge health issues happening right now. Uh, And this is the COVID,
1: the COVID-15, I saw a billboard.
0: Lose the COVID-15. Yeah. Yeah, Well, well, there's that. There's just the mental health issue. There are, you know, but but to me, methylation and homocysteine is almost like the silent killer, if you will. It's something most people are unaware of. They don't know they're doing damage and it could be catastrophic down the line.
1: And, you know, the other thing too is just the insane, you know, I know we've talked already a lot about COVID, but just the profound stress you know, and anxiety. I mean, all of the myriad reasons for that. Um, Sure, it's going to, I mean, that's going to drive imbalanced methylation. And when we get to our research, my research study, I do want to circle back and talk talk to you a little bit about that stress piece and why it was so fascinating in our study. But yeah, I mean, it just, it's like, you know, it's like the you know, the sort of the garbage can, a little bit of this influences and a little bit of that, like as you're, as you were sharing your story with me before we went live, and as you kind of unpack your story now, I can see that, you know, you probably even you do have a, you know, you do have at least one genetic mutation. But, you know, that's not really necessarily going to be the cause of a 63 homocysteine. But you weren't, you know, but maybe your diet was off a little bit, maybe you were under a little more stress, you know, maybe you were exposed to
0: so I, yeah. I, I definitely. You had a,
1: par- you had a parasite. Yeah,
0: definitely stress, <laughs> definitely parasite. At the time, I was probably eating a lot more processed foods. I used to be a bit of a bar junkie, so to speak, uh, which, you know, some of those can be heavy in uh, some of those those bad for you oils, if you will. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I could see, you know, I'm starting to check the boxes and yeah. they start to add up.
1: Yeah. And even when we're living healthy, we can still have some you know imbalances for for myriad reasons i mean like honestly any woman out there who's got any cycle irregularities or who's got a who's hit with pms who's got you know you know bloating cramping mood changes i mean again just thinking about the birth control pills whether you're on them or not if you're looking at estrogen dominance or even pcos which actually It's not directly associated with estrogen dominance. We tend to think about testosterone and an imbalance in the um in the androgens, but estrogen is you know right there, kind of following behind. Um, We need to be thinking about methylation and you know whether or not we're clearing things out.
0: So, can you talk a little bit more about the study that's coming out?
1: Yeah, I would love to. So, we, we one of the things that hit me as a functional medicine doctor for a long time, and and even before when I first. Uh, became a physician. I was in a laboratory, actually. I was in a lab, and I was doing a, a residency. But I was most of my time was spent in the lab, you know, looking at homocysteine and associated biomarkers. I mean, you know, you, I talked about doing a lab workup on you. I mean, it's it's like my joy. And we'll it's do my it. Background. We'll
0: do it, and then we'll we'll do an episode, and we'll go through my yeah, lab yeah, yeah. work for everyone that to would,
1: see. That would be really fun. So we were looking at homocysteine. We were looking at the methylation cycle. We were looking at you know the all these variables that impact. Um, methylation. And uh, w- so in, in my practice, as a clinician, I was continuing that and I was treating methylation pretty, you know, pretty aggressively and pretty consistently. And that tends to be with B vitamins and, and betaine, as I mentioned earlier. Um, and that was before sort of the quote, omics resolu- rev- revolution, where we were measuring our genome and where we we're thinking about the microbiome. I mean, it was sort of like right on the cusp. But now we're talking about our genes and we're talking about our microbiome, what the exposome, as far as our toxin exposures go and our epigenome, the factors that regulate genetic expression. Like we're talking about all these own things now. And, you know, one of the things that we weren't focused on in the laboratory and we're only now just moving towards having clinical access to is the epigenome. That is the factors that regulate genetic expression. So yeah, you might have a gene mutation or you might have a fully functional um, MTHFR, but you can still alter how that MTHFR functions in your body. This is incredibly important. Like we can, with poor lifestyle habits, actually inhibit MTHFR, Um, even, even when it's completely normal. And certainly we see plenty of people with pretty good methylation genetics with methylation irregularities. So that would be epigenetic changes. And one of the ways that we, uh, one of the actually the most fundamental important ways um, that we regulate gene expression is again through methylation. So the, and the main one is DNA methylation. So we literally on our genes drop that Carbon and three hydrogens will just, it, you know, at specific regions on our genes, that little molecule is laid down over and over again. And when there's an accumulation of them, that gene is inhibited. You can just imagine sort of it just structurally inhibits the, the gene from being activated and producing. Um, just ima- and that's a hypermethylated gene a hypermethylated and inhibited gene by extension when there are not methylation groups on a gene it's allowed to express and the proteins are alive and going out there and doing their thing so the area of science that caught my attention and was that with the first area to really begin to flesh out dna methylation and epigenetics was cancer and one of the things we learned that stopped me in my tracks was you know, all important tumor suppressor genes. We have many, many tumor suppressor genes. Um, the most famous ones being the, in for, particularly for women is, you know, the BRCA um, gene. So people, when women have a BRCA mutation, Angelina Jolie most famously had a BRCA mutation. She lost her mom or has one. And, you know, so she had her prophylactic um, double mastectomy and hysterectomy and so forth. Um we can also hypermethylate that guy into that gene and turn it off. We we you know we can turn off these genes that protect us from getting cancer. So my question, Jason, to myself as I dove into this science was: If I'm giving a patient a lot of B vitamins, a lot of supplements, could I be negatively affecting their epigenetic expression? Could I be you know causing hypermethylation when I don't want to? And I didn't really know the answer to that um, at the time, and there's not a lot of science out of it out, you know, just on the topic. There's a little bit. I mean, it's 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 emerging. Um, but that prompted us to develop the diet and lifestyle program. So what we decided in practice was that we wanted to be able to give people lots of supplements. We want to, you know, we want to appropriately prescribe supplements and clear, you know, normalized methylation cycle. But we also want to transition them onto a diet and lifestyle program, either concurrently with the supplements or after they finish. But we want all of our folks to be addressing methylation through diet and lifestyle You know, with or without supplements, and the so there are some suggestions, particularly in the older population, that methyl, you know, taking methyl donors could increase cancer risk. So that is out there, and you know, just all the more kind of validates what we're doing here. So it's a new area, but it just caused me to pause in how I was approaching my patients and restructure it, and realize there's much, much more we can do. So that was my first that was my first area, just you know, how am I as a functional metal, medical doctor, you know impacting DNA uh, methylation, impacting uh, epigenetic expression? And so from there, we created this program. One of the amazing things as we were writing our study that we started to look at was that aging, uh, the way that we measure aging, biological aging, not chronological, not the number, but how rapidly or how slowly you're aging is by looking at patterns of DNA methylation. I mean, this is crazy extraordinary. Are you slowing your aging process or are you accelerated? The way that, you know, there, there are clear patterns on DNA methylation or looking at those, those little methyl, methyl sites on our DNA that will tell us this. Um, and we included that in our study and there were two things. So what we know from what I explained to you is that, um, we want our, we want our DNA to be methylated where it needs to be and to not be methylated where it needs to be. And when we look at aging and we look at DNA methylation in relation to aging, there are spots that are not methylated. There are, there are regions that are methylated and you just want to see it. And, um, You want to see it in this balanced and sweet, you know, these sweet spots. So there were there there are these methyl donor foods that we use that you and I talked about. But there are also these DNA methylating regulator foods that actually help stop methylation on DNA when it's supposed to be. So they like balance it, And we call we actually call them methylation adaptogens for that reason. So we push methylation forward with methyl donor foods. We give the body that information and then we put in a bunch of these methylation adaptogens to sort of take those methyl donor foods and make sure they get on the sweet spot of of the DNA. So everything is optimally expressed. I mean, that was like our fundamental sort of question. Can we do that now? those methylation adaptogens, of course, you're wondering what the heck are they? (laughs) You know, where can I get some? Because they're incredibly important. And it turns out we're consuming these methylation adaptogens all of the time for a variety of reasons. Um, Curcumin, uh, EGCG, uh, the flavonoids in blueberries, um, methane, something we use to clean up our estrogen is actually this DNA methylation adaptogen. Rosemary, rosmarinic acid is a brilliant methylation adaptogen. Um, Other nutrients help too, via different mechanisms like vitamin C, um, vitamin D, um, something called alpha-ketoglutarate that you see in vitamins sometimes is another important player. So there's a whole bounty of foods, again, that will help um, just regulate optimal DNA expression. So the first publication that we've that we wrote was looking at whether or not we made a difference in um, the biological clock. Could we actually influence the aging process? Could we actually slow it down with our program? And, it, and, and we did, we're, we're the second study to actually, to demonstrate that. And it's submitted for a publication now. So stay tuned. And, you know, I'd love to come on and, and talk to you about when it comes out and I'll be writing about it for regular people too. So it won't just be, you know, sort of a crazy polysyllabic, uh, journal article, but just something that you know regular folks can understand. It's it's just ridiculously exciting to me that there's a way that we can live and eat, and a lot of us already are. Um, we can do some refinements to how we're eating, so we're really dialing into you know optimizing methylation. But you know we can turn back the hands of time. Well, I, and what's yeah, I, go, ahead, go, go ahead. ahead. No, 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 please. So my final, so the aging <laughs> is the biggest risk factor for all the chronic diseases we're afraid of, like aging is it for cancer, for cardiovascular disease, you know, for dementia, for neurodegenerative conditions like um, Parkinson, aging is it. And when you look at people who study aging, gerontologists and public health gerontologists, you know, they say, if we can just like slow aging down by a couple of years, we would save like trillions of dollars in public health. But then, you know, just for us, as as humans who inevitably age the fact that we can actually do something about it in a safe and sort of reasonable and 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 relatively straightforward and you know palatable way is it's just beyond cool for me. <laughs> well, so it's been it's been fun.
0: What I love about it is, you know, we started this conversation about methylation in the context of what can go wrong, whether it's my wife's blood clot or my sky high level, which could have led to a blood clot or a stroke. But it's much bigger than that. It's about yeah. longevity. It's about yes. health span. And yes. it's not just about like having a good healthy number. There's much more to it as we try to yes. figure out the the puzzle of yes. of living a happy healthy fruitful, long life.
1: Yes, it's just a. It, and most of us know if we know about methylation, we, te- we're, we tend to be thinking about how, how we can push it forward. You know, what are the what are the methyl donor supplements that we need? And I'm arguing very strongly and our, certainly our first study suggests that we need we need a balance. We need the sweet spot. And it's, you know, based on our preliminary research, there's a way to do it. It's so exciting, and I just and I want to continue to do this study, you know, to research this work and actually expand um, much more broadly and to invite other people in to participate in it. So if you're if this interests you, just stay tuned, and if people people can come over to the to the website and 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 you know they'll they'll find some information there.
0: Well, personally, I'm very interested. I'm ready to I'm ready to sign up and, and try the program. <laughs> and so you know, you mentioned earlier, cool. you know, with regards to. You know, as we talk about diet, so much of it is Michael Pollan, eat food, not too much, mostly plants. And I think the same goes for supplementing. You know, take, yes. su- take supplements, not too much, yes. mostly plants. Like we yeah. keep on getting to this mostly plants theme, which I love as a great yeah. theme. And and I think it, in, in the context of our conversation for people listening, like this is, you know, Kara's on the cutting edge. We're talking about biochemistry here. And a lot of this sounds like a different language and, and and it is a different language. However, it's also so simple. Yeah. You know, as we think about diet, like what you outlined earlier, cruciferous yeah. veggies, some eggs, some beans, some chicken, not a lot of alcohol, avoid processed foods that's pretty darn good have
1: some blueberries you yeah know, get a good get a good curry <laughs>
0: yeah
1: it is It's some pretty, breath it's,
0: work you talked about breath work and there yeah. i love breath work i think i think yeah. stress, is, stress is stress is a huge thing right now so
1: yeah it's cool i mean i'm just so excited about it and um i yeah i I would love to have you on board in whatever way you're interested and the, you know, so the book will be, well, the book will be out in 2021. So later 2021, but if people circle over to to our site, one of the things that they can do, and it's just D- drkarafitzgerald.com, Dr. You We have a recipe page and you'll see that we've tagged everything that is um, a methyl- methylation diet and lifestyle recipe. You can also make your recipes into methylation diet and lifestyle super recipes by doing like adding in um pumpkin seeds that's a methylation superfood or one of the things i always do in life is i add rosemary to everything i'm really okay. into rosemary so, and acid
0: so i love that let's close there because i love yes yeah, methylation <laughs> superfoods no like people always love like what are the so what are what are <laughs> yeah. your methylation superfoods what, what should you you mentioned rosemary You mentioned blueberry. Like, what are those methylation superfoods that we should all be adding to our diets?
1: Do some green tea. Green tea is amazing. Um, If you're eating fish, if you have some salmon, go for your curcumin. You know, curcumin is a beautiful methylation superfood. Your cruciferous veggies—they're so important. I love rosemary acid. You know, berries of all kinds, but especially blueberries. Tomatoes, you know, the lutein in tomatoes. If you eat soy, genistein is a powerful methylation adaptogen. And there's actually really cool, kind of unique science on it. Um, remember your vitamin D. I'm sure you, uh, that you guys are good about that. Uh, vitamin C also um, is helpful. And if you've heard of the compound called alpha ketoglutarate, you'll see that in supplements. It's something that's in the, it helps make energy. Um, you know, that's that's an important player as well
0: so one clarification so genistein is in soy so yeah. having like a soybean, so this is great if I'm if I'm listening and I'm vegan and I'm gonna have you know there are a lot of foods where if you' go to a vegan restaurant a lot of the foods are soy is sort of a staple on the menu that's that's a good thing
1: yeah it is if you don't it's a it's also an allergenic food so as long as you can tolerate soy and I and you and you really want to get it organic, but yeah, soy is is smart if you, as long as it's organic, as long as you can tolerate it, it's smart. Like I eat soy, I consume soy,
0: and in term, sometimes. In terms of curcumin and vitamin C and vitamin D, uh, do you have favorite superfood sources, or are you just? I'm curious, are you just supplementing?
1: I do both, actually. I love a good curry. I mean, I do. It's easy, and actually, you know what? That's a good question. So, so, so I have um, a product that I sell on, on our site, it's golden milk. It's it's so this is an, you can look up the recipe online anywhere. It's a curcumin coconut milk, or you can use dairy. If you drink dairy, you can actually use dairy in it. Dairy curcumin, a little bit of a sweetener. Um, it's heaven. (laughs) It's so good. Maybe a little bit of pepper. Our product has a handful of other, uh, botanicals in it that are pretty cool. Like moringa, um, and I drink that at least once a day. It's got a little bit of ours has a little bit of collagen in it. So if you're vegan, it's not going to be appropriate for you. So just look the recipe up and make it. That's a way that. So I would say the main ways that I ingest curcumin are um, curries, the golden milk, and um, I supplement. I'll just take an extra curcumin. I'm really bullish on it. I think it's. A, I just think it's a smart, smart um, flavonoid.
0: And one last thing, I forgot. I really mean it last question this time. So we talked about all like the, you know, alcohol, sugar, so on. We didn't talk about coffee, caffeine.
1: (laughs) That's so funny. You know, when we first started our study and we um, wrote, we have an ebook that we wrote on our rationale behind the program. Um, It's written for professionals though. So it's a little bit dense. We have a very smart
0: audience listening.
1: (laughs) Okay, cool. Grab it, grab it. It's it, yeah, it's just it's a PDF, and uh, yeah, we just get into the backstory on all of this. Let me just say that I spent a lot of time looking on, um, y- you know, looking at the flavonoids in coffee being methylation adaptogens because I love me a good cup of coffee.
0: You're preaching to the <laughs> choir right here. I love coffee.
1: I did not want to let go of it, and it seems to me there's a there's a pretty nice complement of flavonoids in a good cup of coffee that. You know, they've got to be methylation adaptogens. I haven't actually found that yet, but Jason, yeah, I haven't let go of my coffee.
0: Okay, good. We'll close (laughs) on the positive note, guys. Coffee is still in play. Good cup of black coffee. I love it. Well, yeah, for sure. Kara, thanks so much for all that you do. Uh, A topic that's fascinating and a topic that's so important to our our well-being. And I'm glad that more people are going to learn about. And uh, thank you.
1: Yeah, My pleasure. It's been fun.